Hey everybody, this is Nikki and this is episode two of The Block and I am here to introduce you to James uh, Ballantine who is your host. Hey James. How's it going? And as always we like to welcome you back to The Block. Uh, I always like to say your block, my block, doesn't really matter. Uh, with this podcast what we really want to do is help everyone better The Block. So Welcome to the block. I hope you guys enjoyed the first podcast and welcome back. So in talking about that, you mentioned about how to better the block. What did you do this week to better the block? So this week, what happened with our block uh, essentially is we completed our rain gutter collecting system. So we have a metal roof on our house and uh, we put in a gutter system and with that gutter system is we wanted to collect as much rainwater as possible. So we now have a total of 4,000 gallons of water that can be collected just through our gutter system. And what's really cool is, so we, uh, we had this system put on here a bit ago. It just got finalized this week. We had 2,000 gallons and, uh, and now I've upped it to 4,000. But just from one major rainstorm, which was very heavy, and then a couple of light storms, we had collected 2,000 gallons of water. Yeah. And so it was really cool, actually, how much water we're going to be able to collect. Um, and, and how is this going to help us? So with, you know, furthering our projects that we have on our property now, uh, we actually have a spigot from that water that we're going to collect that can be fed into our greenhouse. So essentially we're going to be able to use some of, essentially we're going to be able to use some free water here to help us grow and water a lot of our stuff in the greenhouse, but also uh, as we change our landscaping into more of an edible landscaping setup, we'll be able to use that water to, uh, to water that as well and keep everything green on the property. But the cool thing about that is as the water continues to grow, we have an overflow on that as well. So we're able to direct the overflow into different sections of our property. And as we continue to, to develop that property, and we'll all get into that as the project for us continues. So we're going to get into why we're directing that water and overflow into certain sections of our property as we start to develop each section um, into different grow, like little little sections, little grow beds. And, and mm -hmm. uh, so... Uh, it's very exciting, and that is what we did to actually better our block this week. Fantastic! Yeah, no, we're uh, we're super excited because uh, one of our next step is uh, is to do swales for our overflow, where uh, that water will flow and spread out through the property. But then here in the fall, when it cools off, we have a we have a project where we're hoping to put in a bunch of fruit trees yep. to. Uh, to then start growing next year because they'll be dormant over the winter and and make this property even more edible. So fantastic. All right. So that's that's what you did to better our block this week. So this week's topic, um, you had decided you wanted to talk about district attorneys. Well, as everyone knows, uh, with everything going on in our current world and uh, the current climate in the U.S., we're kind of watching the people that we elect uh, kind of fall apart and actually not do the job and not hold their end of the bargain. You know, we elect them to protect the people and they are absolutely failing the people. 
But what I also wanted to recognize and uh, what I wanted to recognize and look at is what are we doing and how are we failing? With the truth of the matter is most of us do not vote enough on the local level. And part of what I want to do with this podcast, again, is all about bettering our own block. So we have to look at some of the stuff that we're doing well and some of the stuff that we're not doing. And looking around at our current ballots and the things that are going on, I looked at and said, all right, hey, we have a district attorney in our area coming up. But what does the district attorney actually do and what is the district attorney actually responsible for? So instead of actually talking about different incumbents like, hey, vote for this person, vote for that person, I wanted to actually, for myself, get a better understanding of this position and what I can do and how I can understand this person's job. By understanding this person's job, I can go in with an intelligent, no matter who is coming up for election and what year it is and so forth. I know what this person's job is and I can say, okay, these are the things that I stand for. And I want this person also to stand for these things that I stand for. I can now better hold these people accountable if I know their roles and what they do for work. What, uh, what type of, uh, people typically run for district attorney? So what I'm actually understanding from this, uh, when I get over this whole overview overview of the district attorney, uh, a lot of district attorneys have different type of aspirations, uh, whether it be for political, whether it be going into different realms of law, judgeships, and so forth. Uh, you find that a district attorney tends to be somebody that is very driven in one aspect or another. Um, and a lot of them, I mean, you know, most of them are lawyers and have had extensive law backgrounds and different avenues. Uh, so I kind of, kind of started looking at, all right, well, if you're a lawyer, uh, you know, that's great. We know that's the field and that's, we know that's what you do, but You are an elected official and your job is and responsibility is actually to pursue justice on behalf of the Commonwealth, which is us, the people. It's not about your political aspirations or your career and kind of understanding the job role is I'm starting to see the flaws in the job role as a district attorney or, you know, someone in that side of law is promoted to different jobs based on wins in their win column. And no matter how they get the wins and if the wins are correct. So we have, you know, someone that is supposed to be pursuing justice for the Commonwealth for us, yet their, their success or how well they're doing the job is based on, sorry, if you hear some snoring, that's a, a dog that decided to take a nap. Um, but what it is is it's you know going back to the point it's this person's job is and their success of their jobs is based on convictions whether they're the convictions as we see and we start to understand in this country of uh that the overturning or the 
the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the reversal of the, the reversal of a lot of these convictions. We're at a fifty percent rate, and, and so, a lot of different categories. So that means we're getting the win, but we're getting bad wins, people. Because if we're overturning all of these convictions at later points in times, not only are we getting bad wins, we're ruining people's lives. We're turning people into felons um, because chances are if you're sitting in front of a district attorney, you're being charged with a serious crime. It, this isn't, hey, I got to, you know, I violated my traffic violation and or I had a, you know, a speeding ticket. Uh it's, you know, you're being accused of a pretty serious crime here and we're getting it wrong 50% of the time and we're overturning these. So we have people sitting in prisons for years fighting for their freedoms for something they never did. So that means we as the people who can vote and aren't voting for this level, we're paying attention to the presidents and maybe the senators and things like that. You know, the things that get all the pub. Uh, and when I say pub publicity, you know, it's all over the news. It's all over this. We're looking at all this stuff and it's like, yo, vote for this guy, vote for this guy, vote, 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 vote. And stuff like this is sliding under the cracks. And this person, the district attorney, actually plays a big part in your life today can easily make an impact on your life, your friend's life, your son's life, your right now today. You know, as we have in the media and in the news, uh, as we see all the stuff that's going on, like, you know, the Breonna Taylor case, guess who makes the decision on bringing that to court or has a big part in bringing this to court? Yeah, it's a D.A., so, again, are these people about the Commonwealth or, you know, as you start to research a lot of, you know, candidates for these jobs, you can see this person has a lot of police ties. Well, if this person has a lot of police ties, probably not very incentivized to actually go at the police because, you know, the police are, you know, they're high-fiving each other and they got each other's backs and, you know, we're doing all these things. And the blue line, which I find hilarious because it's, and when I say hilarious, it's not that, it's not about not protecting cops. But for me, it's like your job isn't about protecting yourselves first. That's not why you took the job. Your job is about protecting the people first. You stood tall just like our soldiers that go onto the front lines and they're putting themselves in harm's way, not for the buddy standing next to them, but for us. And their buddy who stands next to him holds the line to make sure that his buddy or his soldier, his fellow guy that's standing next to him is actually protected. So that's what that means. It doesn't mean we're before you. And I think there is the difference in what it's become. It's become, hey, blue lives are more important than. No, there is no such thing as a blue life. We're not in Pandora. There are no Smurfs. So <laughs> this is a job that you took. You went down, you filled out an application and so forth. But I think I'm getting on a tangent on, 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 on that side. So that's for a whole nother thing. But to really understand what a district attorney does is like you understand their role and understanding the role is 
they play a major part in the criminal justice system. Um, they have essentially the major determining factor on a lot of things, whether if you get pulled over for a, a you know, a drug charge. Uh, so, for instance, yeah, yeah, I got a little weed in my car or so forth. I'm driving down the street. They have the ability to say, you know what, James, you're not a drug dealer. So we're going to go the route of treatment versus incarceration. But as we see so many people incarcerated for the use of drugs, and most of us are saying, hey, that needs to stop, then we need to understand that, hey, this person that we're putting into office or not paying attention to as they get elected into office, and as our the older generation tends to be ones that vote a little bit more, but they they pay attention at all levels, and that means we all need to pay attention at all levels because we're no ones that are not receiving representation because we're not voting. So would you? say that when you've done some research now into district attorneys and district attorney candidates, that it's pretty clear, like, where, where the loyalties lie for, for district attorneys? Yes, absolutely. So the awesome part about it is when you actually start, when you just take a cursory look at any of these candidates, you can quickly click, click on the candidate and start to go over and over you. But because a lot of these things are based on public cases, if you really want to dive deep and you have the time, instead of sitting around watching TV, you know, maybe take an extra 20 minutes and say, you know what, let's go and research some of the cases that you sat on. You're going to get a better overview, but they all are, especially at the time of election years, they will have an endorsement button because they want you to donate. Remember all the donate buttons you get all over <laughs> Facebook and Instagram and all your social media. Everybody needs some money from you right now because they they need to run ads for campaigns. So you can easily click and say, all right, who endorses you? And you can start looking and say, ooh, I know what some of these people stand for and I'm not pro this. So I'm going to make my decision and say no to you. No, I'm not going to donate to you. I'm going to go and then research the other candidate and see if there's a better option for me. Sometimes there isn't a better option. Um, as Yeah, sometimes you, I won't say you're stuck. You can vote for the lesser of two evils. But what I say with that is by starting to pay attention and getting more people and more like-minded people like yourselves to pay attention is you can actually vote and start a different process where maybe now someone who maybe he had been thinking, Hey, maybe something I'd like to run for, but he's in your area and he sees just a constant landslide victory for the person that's always there. And so now that person is discouraged and says, you know what, I'm never going to have a chance. And I maybe move into an area where I can possibly get uh, more votes or the possibility of actually winning. So by you paying attention, Maybe it'll wake up somebody else that's in your area that says, hey, I want to run for this now. So what you're saying is by people being active in the election process and supporting people, that somebody could come to the forefront who is maybe more of a candidate that would be somebody you would actually support instead of actually voting for the lesser of two evils. Because voting for the lesser of two evils honestly sucks. 
Um, cause, uh, I mean, that just means you're settling, Agreed. you know, and you know, where, you know, we really need to look at our, our areas and have people that represent us. Not that's a career politician or career, you know, it's that this is, this is how they're forwarding their career or advancing it. It's that they actually care about people and they want to help the people. Absolutely. Um, we all know it's, I think in the last few years, everyone has experienced the thought of I'm voting for the lesser of two evils. Um, <laughs> whether that be true or not true, or if, based on whatever your opinion is, the truth of the matter is voting for the lesser of two evils absolutely sucks. But as we see a climate change where people are becoming more politically involved, we're starting to see different type of candidates starting to step forward as well. And because they say, hey, the people are awake now and the people are paying attention. So they're starting to say, hey, all right, I might have a chance now. Maybe I'm not just wasting my time because you have to understand these people are putting time, effort, a lot of times their own money into this, Uh, you know, not just money that people donate. You got to realize just like running your own business or doing anything else. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, we need X, Y and Z. Okay, you know what? Let's let's get that X, Y, and Z. So they just took the money out of their own pocket because they believe in what they're doing. And when I when I started to look at you know just a quick overview of what a DA does, um, again, most of the major criminal cases of in this country, in your area, will go to there first, um, and you know from. As, you know, is from murder all the way down to vandalism, they're all going to come through there, whether it be a drug case and, hey, I'm going to do some mandatory sentencing for this drug case, or I'm going to choose to go the route of treatment that goes. DA has the, the major part in, in doing that. If you ever have known someone who either has been denied bail or had bail revoked or had a really high bail, again, there you go. DA also will do that. Um, They can decide to prosecute a case or not prosecute a case. So if they think, hey, this is is worth prosecuting, we're not going to. They are, we're going to. Um, They work directly with the police as far as collecting evidence. And so if the evidence is collected, now, mind you, their job is not to set you free. Their job, again, is to get that win in that win column. So if the evidence that they've collected suggests you're guilty and you know there's other evidence out there that says, hey, I'm not guilty, guess who has to pay for that? You. You have to go in and hire an investigator to say, hey, look at this other evidence because once they lock in, you're guilty. I got the evidence to prove you're guilty. That's what I needed. They didn't, they're not trying to prove your innocence. They're trying to prove your guilt. Because they, again, I want my win in my win, Colin, and I want to go to whatever next career that I want to go to. You know, I'm looking to promote myself and my, you know, just like anything at your job, my job, it's about the wins. And so if I'm doing a good job, it's, I got wins in my own column. So it's not necessarily about justice. It's about wins. So uh, civil asset forfeiture. So if you've ever had or known someone that has maybe been accused of something, 
and they've taken the money out of uh, out, out of your hand. They the DA has direct response for that. So uh, I was actually in a banking situation where uh, I had to help uh, the police actually get into a safe deposit box. And it was then at that point in time where the police were looking through these contents of the safe deposit box and deciding that um, is it part of this case that we're looking at or not? Now, it doesn't matter that it is or isn't. It's your burden to prove that it wasn't. So say you had a safe deposit box with your mom and or your brother or so forth and your brother's out doing something stupid. Police goes into your safe deposit box. They take everything out of there and say, oh, this is part of your brother's doing something stupid. But it wasn't. It was maybe some family family heirlooms that belong to your mom and so forth. It is now your burden of proof to prove that this was not part of your brother doing whatever stupid stuff he was, that this was part of the family heirlooms. And if it was a family heirloom that you don't have a receipt for because it belonged to a great grandmother that's just been sitting in the closet and now was in a safe deposit box, it's lost. So that doesn't sound very much like innocent until proven guilty. Nope. And what we're finding out are with these guys, I won't say in the criminal justice system, you're, when you start to really dig deep, that is a myth. You're not innocent until proven guilty. It is absolutely the opposite. The burden of innocent is yours. Now, we're not going to send you to jail but we'll put you on hold. I, you can make bail if you want to get out. But if you can't make bail, well, you're going to sit here until we can prove you're guilty. So that's not necessarily proving you innocent or being innocent until proven guilty. That's basically saying, hey, we have built this system in a way that I can hang. I can basically make you hang out over here. And if you got enough money to get out then you can go about your way while we're trying to prove either you're innocent or guilt. But if you don't, you go to jail and you stay in jail. Um, yeah, that's not, that's not how the system is set up to, that, well, that's not how we're told anyway, the system is set up to work at all. You know, it's, um, you know, cause this, this is real world stuff. And this affects people's lives in a big way. Like you mentioned just a little while ago about a, was a 50% turnover rate or um, where these cases that are people found guilty, they're turned over because of evidence that comes to light. Maybe the family was able to get together and hire that investigator that was needed to, uh, to then present new evidence and these cases were overturned. Or... A lot of times, what some something will happen. Like, let's take a old big case um, that w- ended up being where a the criminal who actually did it eventually it told the truth, got caught for something else, was in jail, uh, and it's funny how a criminal actually has a conscience and realizes that I'm, when the case that I'm actually discussing or in my head that I'm discussing, I'm let you in on it now, is the Central Park Five. Big case. Everyone knows about this. Five kids, young kids, had their lives ripped out and torn apart. I mean, now my six-year-old, one of them was 16 and sent to real prison with adults at 16. 
And again, when I say this, you look at a DA who pushed for these kids to be convicted because in the uh, in the in the public where everyone is, say, for instance, uh, I won't even say say, for instance. Uh, so at that time, Donald Trump uh, took out a newspaper ad about how these kids should be killed and, and murdered for doing what these what they were allegedly supposed to have done. Find out later that these kids were all innocent. So in the court of public opinion, yeah. they were guilty. And because of, especially nowadays with social media and, and, and how it can easily blow up, and all of a sudden this person is perceived as guilty. And so when they go to a trial with uh, the peers and they're looking at 12 people who have been studying, sitting on social media or looking at the newspapers about how these kids should be sentenced to death because they you know raped this woman. And it turns out these kids were... Out running around in the park, being knucklehead kids, running, running and acting a fool. But at what point in time, what kid hasn't done that? White, black, Mexican, purple, it doesn't really matter your color. A bunch of kids getting together and running around acting stupid, that's pretty normal. But if a violent crime all of a sudden happens near that, then it's up to the police and the prosecutors, the DAs to, to say, hey, do we have the right person? And we have to look at the evidence. But if someone is behind this person and saying, hey, your job is depending on this case. This case is all over the news right now. This case is all over social media. And we need a conviction and we need a conviction now. They look at the evidence and they try to make the evidence fit the suspect. At all costs, because, hey, that's how they feed their kids. My next job, my next promotion is, uh, is is riding on this. So if I'm at this level of like, hey, I'm the head prosecutor in New York. And if I get fired from that, chances are my law career pretty much over as far as in that aspect of, 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 of power and judgeship and going to the next level and being a Harvard Law uh professor or so forth where you know you have all this prestige of look at me i am a lawyer that's pretty awesome so it's more about them again it's getting the win in the win column so really to go over everything kind of snaps it as or get a short sweet synopsis on what a district attorney does actually before you do yeah. that um so back to the central park five yeah. so these five kids went to prison all five and do you know how long they were in prison? It, I think the longest was over a decade. They so were, uh, so their lives real. were completely changed and altered course. Probably good kids, but I'm sorry. If you go to if you go to prison for a decade and you hang out with hardened criminals, especially if you were not a criminal when you went into prison, you're probably coming out a criminal. Or with criminal tendencies, because that's you've now been labeled. Your family thought you were guilty of this. Your friends thought you were guilty of this. Um, the environment, your block, thought you were guilty of this. Yeah. So now you're coming out. Everything about your life has changed. 
the world has changed and now you're going to, you know, it's highly publicized. So you're going to go try and go get a job. Well, in the back of everybody's head is going to be, oh, did this guy rape this person? You know, even if you're exonerated and you're out and you're free because new evidence came to light and you obviously weren't part of it. That's why the, I mean, that's why the district attorney position is so important. Absolutely. Well, I mean, when you look at, you know, just someone going into the criminal justice system, especially at that age, I won't say the criminal justice system, going into the prison system at that age, you're taking an adolescent and you're throwing him into a situation with adults. Mm-hmm. He's no longer a kid. Um, they're probably going to have some horrible things happen to him during that time. There have been cases of people who have been exonerated and come out and have killed themselves. Uh, you go back to your block. You've been away from your block for over 10 years. The chances are no one. You don't know. You don't have your friends. You don't have your social circles mm-hmm. anymore. You are completely going out and starting life completely over. Um, as scary as that is, call it like a, a divorce or moving to a new state and moving into a new neighborhood and things like that. It's like, oh, well. I got to start over. I got to make friends. Yeah, gotta, you're I, starting I, over with no resources. And that's the bigger the bigger difference between well, if I just move to another state, you know, I still got a job and everything else. Here, I'm moving, I'm leaving. Uh, I have no, at that age, you know, what skills had those kids learned? So not only did I leave and have to come back to a system where I didn't, you know, I was a kid. So... I can't really go get a viable job. I can go work at McDonald's, but that's not really going to pay any bills. And it's not fair that my life was just altered in such a negative way because somebody was more concerned about the court of public opinion um, and wanting to get, you know, again, like I said, a win in the win column. And it was like, all right, I get a win at all costs. Not I'm going to find justice at all costs. If we actually put some serious penalties back in on district attorneys and police officers of, hey, if you alter someone's life in this manner, you're, there, there has to be some kind of serious penalty for these guys. It can't be just like, oh, there's a slap on the wrist, here's a little quick spanking. It's not a big deal. And that's what it, what it comes down to. It's like it, for us to be at a 50% rate. It really comes down to, hey, you're getting these convictions, but it's not a big deal. Because we wouldn't be exonerating people at a 50% rate if it was a big deal and there was a serious penalty to these people forcing people into the prison system and being wrong. Yeah. So it, 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 there has to be something put into place. And, I, it, you know, again, that comes back to us voting. That comes back to us holding these people accountable and even coming to it where we want to break down this system. Uh, The district attorney is one of the biggest people that is responsible for criminal justice reform as well. But what I found was the kicker when I was researching a lot of this, this person would have to give up a lot of their own power, but they're responsible for criminal justice reform. So I would have to give up my power which chances are, if I'm giving up some of my power, I'm giving up some of my money as well. So I'm responsible for saying, hey, criminal justice reform, yeah, let's do it. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, I have to give up some of my power? 
And we wonder why we haven't had criminal justice reform in this country. I mean, that is absolutely a conflict of interest. Criminal justice reform should be solely based on a vote. We should have the voting power in this country, not not a judge, not a lawyer, not any of us. If we all as the people say, hey, you know what? We're tired of locking people up for drug convictions. There's rapists and murderers and uh, child molesters and uh, women beaters that are, I mean, there's a backlog in, in, in Texas on domestic violence cases. So we got a backlog on domestic violence cases, but I'm arresting weed heads. No, I mean, that's where it should really come down to. I don't even call them weed heads because let's be realistic. Uh, that whole, you know, oh, the, the hippies using marijuana and blah, blah, blah. That's just so big pharma can and sell everybody drugs. But that's where a whole nother topic. That would probably be a different yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... And that's just me taking back the weed head comment. It's more of, no, because uh, we all have been lied to about that. We have a backlog of cases on women being abused and men, because both men and women faced uh, domestic violence uh, or, you know, however you identify. But uh, domestic violence is something that actually plagues everybody. So we got a backlog on that. Yet, we're just racking up stupid and not, uh, I mean, stupid drug. To, uh, well, victimless crimes. Yeah, victimless crimes. So, if yeah, there's, not, if there's not a victim, no. somebody certainly should not be going to prison over it. We shouldn't even be putting the shit in the court systems. I right? mean, that is, we rack up so much, our dollars, tax dollars, um, taking this money from, oh, well, you know, we got this guy over here with, you know, an eighth of weed. Uh, we got this guy over here smoking crack in the corner. Oh. The question is, was he bothering anybody when he was smoking crack in the corner? No, he was just smoking crack in the corner. Why the hell did you bother him then? Let him go sit and smoke crack in the corner. If you, oh, he was at he was at home smoking weed. Okay, the neighbors complained about the smell. Okay, tell him to go in the fucking house. <laughs> you know, there's ways to actually do things without actually getting police involved, as well as put getting the justice system involved. So. Things like this need to actually be going to a vote. And when I say a vote, we should have the complete power. It shouldn't be up to any elected official. If the, if we all come together as the citizens of a free country and say, hey, we don't want to send anybody to jail for this anymore. We have decided that is now a rule. Put it on the books. That's your job. Now, that's your job is now to go write and put it on the books because we, the public, have spoken and said... That we're done with that. We've spent trillions of dollars on, I mean, billions, up to $30 billion a year on the war on drugs. So this person has some of the power to actually end that deficit, that that money that we're just bleeding into putting people into jail for, for using drugs. Yet we, again, we got a backlog on domestic violence. Uh, we have murder rates and child molesters and all these real crimes and that are affecting victims. Uh, women are getting snatched and children are getting snatched and sex crimes and self- sex trafficking is an, at an all-time high. Yet we're still putting $30 billion a year into war on drugs. So we have to hold our DAs accountable and that means we have to vote for these people. 
So what it really comes down to is we have to come back to a grassroots level of how we vote. And we have to understand the people that we can actually go and knock on their doors and say, hey, Mr. District Attorney, I'm here and I, I'm, I'm a voter. Those are the people we need to pay attention to. Those are the people we need to vote for. And they need to fear us because we are paying attention at that level. It's not we're not sitting on social media and, and clicking not like not like that didn't do shit. OK, that's exactly where they want you to be sitting at your house mm-hmm. hitting not like. They don't want you going, uh, how's it going? Yeah, I'm a voter. Uh, those 30 people I brought with me, yeah, they all vote too. Uh, and we're pretty pissed off at this case that you didn't, uh, that you didn't hold this person accountable for. Or, hey, you just uh, arrested this guy over here for, you know, an ounce of weed, but you got a backlog of domestic violence cases. Uh, I'm going to need you to let him go and stop that bullshit. Because I got two friends that got their, you know, I got their teeth kicked in by, by their husbands or, uh, you know, I, I have a trans friend that just got beat up by somebody else. And so you're ignoring all of that so we can fill up prisons and you can get a back in cut on the private prisons. Again, that's probably another conversation <laughs> for another podcast. But we know I, I'm, a, I'm awake. I know what time it is. I know what you're doing. Uh, you know, that's the reason you get endorsements by police organizations and things like that. That's just a dance with the private prisons. But we'll we'll have that in some other time. But what we can do is now start to pay attention at the grassroots level to get these people elected. And it doesn't matter what year it really comes down to. This year, next year, three years from now, this person will still have the same job duties. So let's not get stuck on the candidates. Let's get stuck on how they're doing their jobs. And if they're just getting wins in the win column and we're looking at a 50% exoneration rate, your wins are shit. That means you're doing a shitty job and you're just putting wins in the wins column. That means it's time for you to go. And so now that we understand that a district attorney is more concerned with putting wins in the win column so they can get their next promotion or they can actually stay in job because then they can just put out those statistics. Hey, look at me. I'm getting wins. Um, We need to look at what's happening after you get those wins. Are those good convictions? Are we overturning them? And at 50%, sir, that means you lose 50% of the time. And then that 50% of the time, because if you want to take it to it, you just put somebody into jail for how many years, wrongly convicted, screwed up their lives. Guess what happens to that as well? Those guys then can sue. Guess who pays for that? Yeah, they don't pay for that. That's more money. And so we pay for them to go to jail through the court system. We pay for them while they were in jail, because that all comes out of our pockets too. And then when they get out and get exonerated and they sue our asses for putting them or sue their asses for putting them in jail and wrongly convict them, they get a nice check. So we're getting screwed on all the levels <laughs> as the, as the citizens and as the taxpayers. So, uh, I, you know, I, I hate to go on a rant and don't worry. It was like podcasts are not. That's why it was like every now and then we're going to talk about politics and we're going to bring up a job title and what someone does for a living and what they do for us, the people. 
what they do for us on our block. And I think, you know, talking about a district attorney is extremely important when it comes down to the block. Because as a minority myself, um, I, I have several friends that have gotten trapped in the criminal justice system. You know, some who have done stupid things. Some uh, that just didn't do that. Unfortunately for them, and I won't say that, didn't know how to put a condom on. Uh, and, you know, they got, you know, trapped in that system of, oh, I owe back child support and it's, you know, a girl I didn't really like and, you know, whatever have you. And what responsibility side, you know, whether I took it, took care of my responsibility or didn't take care of my responsibility. But sometimes you got to look at somebody with their own responsibilities as well, being asked to give up a third or fourth of their paycheck might at some point in time, depending on what goes in their life, put themselves in financial harm. And so they're trying to juggle keeping a roof over their own head and paying child support. And it's just a nasty dance. Um, not saying that is right or not right. And i even arguing about, you know, that aspect of it. But it's easy for someone to make a stupid mistake and all of a sudden get caught in this system. And it just becomes a revolving door. And as a person of minority and starting to understand how, you know, you know, someone like this can pay plays such a major role on the criminal reform, whether they they say, hey, we're going to send someone to jail for this or, hey, we're going to, uh, you know, to set up some kind of program to get them out of this problem. Understanding that means, hey, I got to do a better job of paying attention to you people and I got to hold you accountable because you are affecting my block. And as a minority, as a black male, you are really honing in on us as black men. We tend to be the ones that have the biggest exoneration rate because, you know, uh, one of the best quotes I ever you know, ever heard was that the scariest place for a black man to be is in a white person's mind. Uh, and I kind of just synopsized that, that quote. And what I mean by that is we don't go sit on in, in the jury. So when that person is sitting on and, and facing the end of his life, uh, or not won't even necessarily the end of his life or a potential jail time, chances are he's facing an all white jury. An all-white jury that spends all their time watching Fox News and they're not looking at the black man in front of them. They're looking at the black man that they saw on Fox News and they saw on this news channel and with this mean face that did this judge. And so their only knowledge of black men isn't people that they know. It's these personas that are just constantly plagued in our media of the black man that's always doing something wrong, even though we all commit crimes about the same rate. Well, I mean, so when I say the same rate, I mean the percentage no, of our population. But yeah. here's the yeah. thing: realistically, if you if you actually go through well, I agree. through the books, yeah, um, there what? is actually a study that's been done that every one of us, every single person, commits at least three felonies a day, and there's a study to that effect. So it's, it's all just a matter of, it's just the, it's the wording of it. It's where they choose to enforce it. 
And it's, you know, and I'm sorry, a a black man on trial should not be, have a jury, a a white jury is not a jury of their peers. Oh, I agree with you. In no way, shape, or form. Absolutely. That guy, and that's why we see, actually, and the DA is also responsible for mandatory minimums, which is, essentially a mandatory minimum is the fear of, as a black man, hey, I know I, I either I did this crime or I didn't do this crime, but if I face that, you know, jury of my peers, then, you know, which chances are aren't a jury of my peers, I do 20 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. Whereas I take this mandatory minimum of maybe I just do five years. So, yeah, I become, I willingly go into the criminal justice system with the hope that I can have a life back at five years versus going to, to trial. If I lose this trial, I lose my life. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, and so I think it's important on all of our, all of our blocks to understand our representation and or lack of representation that's out there. So maybe you have no representation out there and you're in this town and you're thinking, no, holy shit, all my candidates suck and I got to vote for the lesser of two evils. Well, maybe you're the guy. Maybe you're the guy that is now going to say, hey, I see people are paying attention. I'm going to step up and I'm going to give them a voice of the people. Or maybe your next door neighbor who's like, oh shit, everybody's paying attention now? And now he's the guy. You just don't know who you're going to inspire by actually going out and doing something and paying attention. Or the guy who's been sitting in the office the whole time who is maybe playing golf all the time and not really doing shit. And now that everyone's paying attention, like, oh shit, uh, I got to put these golf clubs away and I got to go actually do some work Uh, or or not. Uh, (laughs) But what it really comes down to is we hold more power than we use. We don't wield the power that we have because voting is boring. Looking up candidates is boring. This is not interesting. It's not entertaining me reading about who you and what you represent and how many how, how much stuff and uh and you know how you voted in in this election and how you voted on this crime bill. It, it it's boring shit. <laughs> I looked at I I was looking at stuff for about 45 minutes to an hour one day and I was like, "Holy crap, I need to take a walk." And it was just so I could get my blood flowing. So I get all of that. But here it is. If you ever sit your ass down in front of one of these people because you got caught doing something or got accused of doing something and you didn't do it, you damn hope that we are paying attention as a people and that you were paying attention before that happened to you. And that's what we're not doing. We're not paying attention to any of this shit until, holy shit, there's another one on the news. Holy shit, another one on the news. Holy shit, another one on the news. And I can keep going on that path and saying that over and over and over. Because we don't pay attention until there's another one on the news. So stop doing that. If we want something to change, it has to change with us first. And it means we have to pay attention so there's not another one on the news. And with that said, I'm going to get off my soapbox. 
But that is exactly what we need to do and while I'm doing this. So on my block, we pay attention. On your block, you pay attention because I'm going to hold you accountable on your block to make sure you're paying attention. If we all do that for each other, there cannot be another dead brother. All right. I think that is probably the end of this uh, of this podcast. So we'll be back next week and uh, with a different topic. Different topic. We're going to uh, I don't want to blast you with another political. And like I said, stuff like this is boring. Holy shit. I went to sleep half the time uh, looking up <laughs> some of this stuff. So, but it is very, very important. So when I say I went to sleep, I'm just totally joking. Um, For me, I find stuff like this absolutely interesting because I understand. I have, you know, young nieces and nephews, young black men, and I can't wait for it to be them and me not paying attention. So I have to pay attention. Their dads have to pay attention. We have to pay attention as a family. So... It is something that we're going to, when we see something going on or as we go further into the election year. But I think just as important it is to pay attention to stuff like this, I think it's very important to better your block, such as rain gutters and collecting rain and and actually putting some time and effort into your craft. So our goal is to actually touch base on a lot of that stuff and even bring some people in. Maybe next time I'll reach out to a couple of lawyer friends of mine just to make sure that, hey, I had all the correct information and I'm not missing anything that they deem as important with the district attorney. Um, it's very much about getting us the most and best information possible so we can do better for each other and we can do better for our own blocks. Well, that sounds great. Then uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, be back next week. All right. All right. Enjoy your afternoon, guys. Bye. Bye.